Hi there. I'm Veronica Wilhelm, an organizational development consultant and executive coach in Seattle, Washington. And I'm here to tell you how to have the best day ever at work. we got together, we talked about goals. That was in episode three, why your goals are making work terrible. So today we're going to go over the next part of structure. Now structure was outlined in episode two, which is your superpower for the best day ever at work. We know that structure can solve 98% of workplace issues, and it includes goals, roles, processes, and resources. So roles today, we're going to talk about roles. So if we've got our clear goals, which are honestly half the battle with structure, the goals are going to inform everything else that follows the roles, the processes, the resources. So roles, who do we need to get the work done? What kind of skills and education do they need? And most importantly, how do we hold each other accountable? So I'm going to use one of my favorite examples, which is, let's say we're trying to put hats on chickens. And I use this all the time. It's funny. It illustrates my points. So let's say the goal of our company is to put hats on all the chickens in the city. In our strategic plan for the next three years, we want to get hats on 80% of the chickens and we'll feel accomplished because we don't want chickens to get cold or whatever. If we're going to make hats for all the chickens, what are some people we'd need? Now, when we're thinking about that, we can start with general roles or we can start with skills and education. So on the top of my head, we'd probably need a veterinarian. We'd need a knitter. We'd need someone to source materials. We'd need delivery, outreach, a bookkeeper. Each of these people needs a job description. Now, old job descriptions were general outlines, right? It would be like, here are your key responsibilities. Here are the skills that you need. They were very, you know, nebulous and like, that's for a reason. You know, how many of you have had jobs that it's like other duties as assigned? Most job descriptions were big other duties as assigned documents. You know, when we think about anti-oppression in the workplace, we're trying to eradicate, you know, patriarchy and racism and ableism. We need job descriptions to be detailed documents that explain all the parts of a job. So you should be able to take a job description and go line by line to do a performance evaluation on someone and say that someone is doing it always, sometimes, or rarely. So you want to list literally everything that someone will be doing. So they can also see like, this is what the job is that I'm getting into. Writing out a full job description also helps you see if you're asking too much of one person, which we know is super common in job descriptions, right? Is it actually two jobs? Is it more than two jobs? And are you underpaying someone for the amount of work that you're asking? Is it actually feasible that someone will get the work done that you're asking them to do? That's also writing out a full job description is not just for the people who will be doing the job, although it's largely that, but it's also for the company to know what are we asking? Is it reasonable? And to do a little check before they put it out in the world. And then after you have created your much more detailed job description, honestly, job descriptions for director level positions that I've helped write are often like four to six pages long when you actually write out all the things that there's someone supposed to be doing. 
You need to be clear about what are the non-negotiable skills or education for someone coming in. What are the things that you're like, this is the baseline of what we need someone to have. We don't want to have to teach them about these different things. And then what are the things that can be taught from the job description and how much are you willing to spend for them to learn? Be clear about what are non-negotiables, what can be taught, and how much you're willing to spend for someone to learn. I mean, maybe you'll find a unicorn who can do 100% of everything that you've put down on your job, but it's more likely you're going to find someone who can do a majority of it well, and then you want to be able to have space for someone to learn to improve. So, and if you don't bake into the hiring process, the opportunity for someone to learn. If you say, well, you have to know how to do everything, you know, to an expert level of proficiency, like A of all, not only are you not going to find that person, but then B of all, you might find someone who says that they can do that, but doesn't maybe know how to assess their own skills very well. And then they come in and you're constantly disappointed or having to clean up messes because that person isn't everything that you thought they were going to be. So every job should come with some kind of professional development or training budget, even if that's just allocated to in-house time with another person who can teach them. You're setting a company up for more success. And more importantly, you're setting a person up for success. This idea that we have to come in and be perfect at all the parts of our jobs from the outset, like, oh my gosh, what? Like what? That's wild to me. Anyways. So finally, accountability. Now, accountability... This is sometimes thought of as a bad word in U.S. workplaces. It's often associated with punishment. Now, my mentor, Dr. Mark R. Jones, would say accountability is love. Now, think about it in terms of parenting. A child who is left alone versus a child who is told boundaries when they are doing well, when they are missing something, right? The child who is not held accountable are the kind of children that we associate with becoming sort of self-centered narcissists as they grow up. They're the people who never were told no, who never were told that their behavior hurt someone. They kind of were just allowed to do whatever they want. Those children also feel deeply unloved most of the time. Whereas children who are told boundaries, when they're told that they are doing something well, then when they're told that they are falling short on something, obviously there are a thousand ways that you can communicate that kind of stuff. But for the most part, this is how we show our children love is we say, oh, I noticed that you're doing this thing really well. Or, hey, I noticed that you weren't doing that thing that you said you were going to. I need you to actually do that thing that you say you're going to do. When you hold someone to a standard that you all have agreed to, you notice when they're having a hard time. And it's a way of saying, I see you. And knowing you are seen is huge for humans, right? We can feel invisible sometimes, but having someone hold you accountable lovingly That's a way of saying you're not invisible to me. Accountability can also include what to do when someone continually doesn't meet the goals and standards that they have agreed to. So you have your beautiful job description. You have figured out what are the non-negotiables, what are the areas for growth that people can use. You have your training budget allocated. And if someone comes in and they are not meeting the goals that the job description has, they're not doing the duties that the job description has, accountability can also include how do you handle someone in that situation? We're going to talk about performance management, performance improvement plans, and termination on another day. Some easy examples of accountability include check-ins and reporting out. So checking in with someone about progress on work tasks is an easy and straightforward way to hold someone accountable. So you can have one-on-one meetings. You can do this kind of drive-by, like, how's it going? You know, you can let someone know when you've completed something for them. These are just like really easy interstitial ways to make sure that someone is feeling checked in on and then to actually like hold them accountable as you're checking in on them. And then the other part, reporting out. So reporting out where you are with your work 
like as an individual or with overall company goals, that's transparency, which is huge for making sure you can be held accountable. There are many instances in the news where companies weren't transparent about stuff and they got in a lot of trouble for it. And then Conversely, transparency, like sunshine on situations, really helps to make sure that companies were staying on track with what they said they were going to do and that they're doing it in an ethical way. So transparency is huge. Okay, so that's roles. In review, you know, start with your goals and then think, who do we need to accomplish them? What skills and education do they need? And then how do we hold each other accountable? Remember, anti-oppression job descriptions are much more robust and detailed than the job descriptions of the past. And then accountability is love and can be done in loving ways. So I can't wait to see you next week. We'll talk processes and how they can help you have the best day ever at work. So glad you could join me today. Share this episode with someone who you think needs to hear it. Follow me on Instagram at Veronica and sign up for my newsletter at wilhelmconsulting.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to this here podcast. I look forward to being with you again soon.